Welcome to Pip Talk, a podcast featuring interviews with rebels, visionaries, mystics, outliers, change makers, and people I find interesting. I am your host, Pip. Today, we are talking with Jonas Ellison. Jonas decided to go to seminary in his 40s to become an ordained Lutheran minister. Before this, he'd stepped away from the church for a decade or two due to the tyrannical God they tried to sell him growing up. Somehow, much to his chagrin, he couldn't shake the Jesus thing. In coming back to Jesus' eternal story, he met some crazy-ass Lutherans who taught him about God's radically scandalous grace for him, and yes, even those he deems unworthy of it. He knew he'd found his theological home and signed up for seminary on the double. He's been sharing his whimsical ramblings online for more than a decade. Somehow, over the years, he's put together a somewhat popular blog on Medium. He's also written for other publications like Huffington Post, Observer, Crossings, Good Men Project, and more. Hi, Jonas. Hey, Pip. To start off with, um, please tell me your faith story from beginning with plenty of detail. I really want to hear it. Oh my word. <laughs> That's a boomer question. Awesome. Um, okay. Let's see here. Faith story. I wish it was simple. I w- really do. Um, all right. And feel free Pip, to like stop me at any time along this long and winding road um, because it is, it is definitely a doozy. So, um, okay. I was born into a, uh, family where my my dad was a I guess I would say like a southern baptist who didn't go to church anymore um when I was a kid so considered himself christian but you know conservative you know nationalist uh but uh did not go to church my my mom was roman catholic so I I I kind of followed her footsteps and 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 that's the faith tradition that I grew up in is the Roman Catholic tradition um but we didn't go to church a whole lot like we we went every every month maybe or month or two you know um but it was I I remember growing up in the Catholic church and um and just really enjoying my time there like for the most part like it was boring and i would fall asleep during the sermons and stuff but um but just like the 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 sanctuary and the architecture and the smells and the bells and the choir and the um <clears throat> i guess the ornate ornateness of the catholic church just like spatially and aesthetically was kind of healing to me um at home, my home life was kind of crazy. My my um, my I grew up pretty poor. We didn't have a lot of money, and 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 just like it was kind of chaotic. My my dad had was actually one of the early computer programmers, and and did really well when I was first born. But then he like lost his business, and you know, so he was trying to recover things. And uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was really young, um, so. Like it was a very kind of a tumultuous, but loving also uh, home life. The church was like this kind of sanctuary for me. Uh, 
that I liked. I did like it. Um, and I, I kind of went all in, like my mom was kind of a hardcore Catholic, you know, she grew up really Catholic and she had all the, all the paraphernalia, all the cards and like the, the holy cards and, and the medallions and all the things, you know? And, uh, I remember, I think it was like seven years old or six years old. The first thing I wanted to be when I grew up, you know, we all have like that first thing we want to be when we grow up. And the first thing I wanted to be was an exorcist. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the movie, the movie was big when I was a kid, <clears throat> but by the way, I'm, I'm, so your viewers know, or your listeners know I'm getting over COVID. So I have mm. a gunky throat. So do, mm. do, excuse me, as I clear mm. my throat for this interview. Um, but, um, no, the, the movie was big, you know, but I was young and, and like, I remember my, my parents were watching it <laughs> um, and I was in the room and I'm like, I can't watch it, you know, especially uh-huh. when her head starts to spin around and, and stuff like that. Like I, I had to like leave, but it intrigued me. I was like, this is fascinating, you know? And at the time there were these 60 minute, like this, the, the show 60 minutes, mm-hmm. they had all these profiles on what they said were real exorcisms like oh. from around the world you know and they would show like footage of these actual exorcisms happening and I thought that was so cool and uh my mom I told my mom about it I'm like mom I want to be an exorcist when I grow up and and she was like all in like she was ah. like oh hell yes you know and ah. she like, and she got <laughs> me like this medallion that she's like this was actually used in real exorcisms you know and she like fashioned me a clerical collar out of like a black dicky you know like the black dickies uh-huh, uh uh-huh. dickies things and like fashion like a white patch on it for me you know and i went around like exercising people um <laughs> for a while <laughs> so um that was my that was a start the roman catholic church you know um but then my mom got sicker and uh she uh kind of had a slow long battle with cancer and you know suffered from anxiety and um couldn't hardly drive at a certain point and so we just kind of stopped going to church and and I just kind of drifted away um um I still considered myself a Christian though like even though I didn't go to church I you know I said I said some prayers like kind of to myself before bed um but kind of like floated away a little bit when I was like a adolescent, I would say. Um, and then like in my teens, well, my mom died when I was 16. And um, <clears throat> I guess I just started, I, I think before that, I started really questioning Christianity, mostly just the the, the form that I was given or at least that I had heard in the church. And that was the, what, what I now know to be called the penal substitutionary atonement theory. Mm. And uh, that is basically, you know, humans are uh, all have made God incredibly mad. So God sent his only son, Jesus into the world because he had, he had to punish someone. Mm. Uh, so it was Jesus who basically served as a human shield, you know, for us. 
<laughs> that was the story I was given. I'm going to take a drink of water. Hold on one sec. Sure. <clears throat> um, and it did, it just, I, I, it didn't offer me any peace at all. I think it does offer some people peace, um, that I talk to even now. Um, I, I don't want to take that away from anyone, but for me, it did not offer me any peace. And, and, and I just kind of said, you know, this just really isn't for me. I, I wasn't really mad at God or the church for my mom dying that that's not really, I don't know. I never really went there, but just the whole, the penal atonement thing was just not, not my cup of tea. So I said, you know, there's gotta be, this isn't it. You know, and I just kind of like live my life. Um, for a while, I just kind of was more agnostic for a while. And then I, uh, let's see, my mid-20s, I like, I watched a PBS documentary of a guy named Wayne Dyer. Have you heard of Wayne Dyer? That sounds familiar? Uh, it, it's ringing a bell, but I can't place yeah. my hair. Okay. He's like a, he's like a, um, he's, he's, he's died. He's dead now, but um. He's an author. He wrote a bunch of best. You know, he's like on Oprah, like kind of like the like one of the the older Oprah people. Um, <laughs> but just like you know, very kind of like spiritual, but not religious. You know, and like God is for us. God is a kind God, and more spoke of more like the universe. You know, as opposed to God. And um, I just really kind of latched onto to that more spiritual, but not religious way of looking at things and kind of followed down. I have kind of obsessive personality. So I've, I've followed that rabbit hole to people like Marianne Williamson, you know, mm -hmm. in the course of miracles and, um, you know, Deepak Chopra, basically the Oprah gospel, um, <laughs> uh, for a long time. Uh, and just kind of like read, that was kind of like my spirituality was reading books and kind of mindfulness and, some meditation. I started training in the martial art of Aikido when I was younger, and that kind of led me to Japanese uh, Zen Buddhism a little bit. Um, yeah, and then I met my wife, who is hardcore Roman Catholic, and I kind of like made a veer, kind of veered back towards the Roman Catholic Church in my late twenties. When I met her, we got married in the in the Roman Catholic Church. But then she like she was going to Northwestern when we got married, and um, <clears throat> she had this class that really made her question everything. And I remember one night we were in Evanston up there, and and like we were having dinner, and she's like, "We're gonna like say grace before our meal, like we usually did." And she's like let's not do it. Like, she's like, I'm kind of done. And so that, you know, I, we were kind of more agnostic again for, for a long time, you know? Um, and then our daughter was born. We had a, had Rory in 2013 and for a year or two it was fine. And I remember, I remember like when she was, when she was born, I, I looked at her and I'm like, because I was, you know, the first thought being raised in the Roman Catholic Church is baptism, right? Like, mm -hmm. are we going to get her baptized? Um, and I, I, my first reaction was no. Like, I, I don't, I can't see her as a. Because the way I saw it was that like baptism was 
to cleanse this sinful, evil uh, soul, you know, and uh, we need to baptize to do that. And, and so I'm like, no, I, I can't, like, I, can't, I look into her eyes and I'm like, I can't see anything but a pure being of light, you know, like, so I, you know, I don't know, like she was born and we lived a couple of years with, without religion and it was fine. And, um, <clears throat> and then at that time I was reading a lot of a guy named Ernest Holmes who wrote a big book back in the day called science of mind. It was, mm-hmm. um, you know, all about kind of like creating your own reality, your own, uh, creating the life you want, you know, you, you know, kind of like positive thinking, but on a spiritual level. And it just really resonated with me. I, you know, like I said, I grew up pretty poor and wanted to live a different, you know, a different way. And uh, when I was older and I thought this was a great way to do that, you know, like to, to kind of just live a, give my kid a better life than what I maybe had. Um, and uh, we found this community where we lived. At, we moved from Chicago to Reno, Nevada. We found this community called the Center for Spiritual Living. And it was a great group of people um very accepting and um affirming people and just like kind of progressive spiritual but not religious but it took place in like a church building and they focused around the teachings of Ernest Holmes it was just a great place it kind of met me where I was and we went there and uh and it was it was it was awesome um went there for a couple years and then I kind of like got the call to ministry. That's when I kind of got the call to ministries when I was doing that. Um, yeah, I was like, I, I think I could, I don't know. I have a, just such a deep passion for this. Um, I'm going to take another drink of water. Mm-hmm. Um, I started at that time writing uh, a lot online. I, I started a publication on Medium that took off and kind of was one of the first top publications on that site on medium.com and mm. really kind of felt that like, wow, this is something like, I just really enjoy like learning about spirituality and, and sharing my perspective on it. And I kind of like started down the route to, to ministry there. And the way that works is just a very simple <clears throat> kind of a two or three year certification process and they called it religious science um so i started doing that kind of correspondence courses online um and i I, and then i met a friend who was a uh uh pastor or like a minister in that in that world he worked for a guy named uh, michael beckwith who's kind of a big name uh he has a uh church like a spiritual center in, in the LA area called uh, agape um that is kind of a popular spiritual center and so anyway I met this guy and uh this guy's name is uh Mark and uh he had a spiritual center in Chicago and I I we were kind of talking back and forth he's like I really like your writing and um I know you know and at the time my wife and I were talking about moving back to Chicago because we we just really like the city and uh, so he was like, you know, I, I have this, I'm starting this new spiritual center in Chicago and I know you guys want to move back and I really like your writing. Would you, would you, would you like kind of consider moving back and helping me start this thing? Hmm. 
So uh, that's what brought us back to Chicago in 27, <coughs> excuse me, 2017, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was kind of going to be a minister in, in that Center for Spiritual Living lineage, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of what, so that was, that takes me to 2017. And then like a year later, I I was going along just fine, kind of getting my my certification in, in that world. Some people know it as new thought. That's another way to look it up if you're if you're curious, is new thought. Um, but I started just kind of really getting curious about Jesus <laughs> at this time. Like I I found some Christian thinkers who really resonated with me or I resonated with. Um, Rob Bell was one, Richard Rohr. Um, another one, Cynthia Bourgeau. Um, uh, what's the guy's name? I'm blinking. I have COVID brain. Um, mm-hmm. ba, 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 ba. Anyway, Thomas Keating, I think, is another one. These okay. more contemplative, kind of contemplative Christians, you know, um, and kind of more progressive thinking Christians. Um, I really started resonating with their message, you know. So I don't know. I just was deeply curious and there just wasn't really a lot of space in the kind of the, the new thought ministry that I was in. And I just also saw like myself and a lot of people in that world um, kind of gravitating towards this, like the law of attraction, you know, Mm -hmm. which was really big in this, in this kind of, uh, I don't know what you call it. Like it, I'll say tradition, even though it's not super old, but, um, you know, you could think your way into a, into wealth. Um, mm-hmm. and I grew up poor and I fell into that trap and, and, and kind of like, I saw a lot of people who were, uh, you know, underserved thinking that, Oh, if I can just think better thoughts, then I can get rich, you know, or, and, and I don't know, I just kind of was really curious about Jesus and at the same time, kind of like growing bitter at this kind of new thought kind of thing that I was into. And I just kind of like stepped away. I'm like, you know, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I, I'm not going to do this. It's not, not healthy, you know? Um, so I stepped away from ministry. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. And I just kind of went about my life. We were living in Chicago and um, we lived right across the street from this big Roman Catholic church. Uh, and it had been years since my wife and I had been to, to mass. And I'm like, Hey, Alex, like, let's, let's go to mass. You know, it's been forever. <laughs> Like just got them. I don't know. Like I was kind of reading some more Catholic thinkers and and really amazing kind of more progressive kind of Catholic thinkers. And I'm like, let's go check it out. So one Sunday we went over and we went to a mass and I had kind of a conversion experience um, there. I, and I, the way I say it is this, I, I, in my years of like the new thought thing, like where it was all about like creating the life you want and like mindfulness, like, you know, more individual, like individualistic 
kind of ego-based spirituality like where Mm -hmm. where I came out of like service feeling amazing and like yes I'm gonna like conquer the world and like feeling like huge you know whereas in that cat in that mass I felt incredibly small and it felt really amazing like I felt like I was at the base of a huge mountain you know um just like the I don't know like the 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 prayers that were and like even like the creed which I thought you know for years was just ridiculous I'm like people have been saying this creed for thousands of years you know like yeah I might not agree with every single line but it's beautiful you know Mm -hmm. in a way so just all these things like struck me as as beauty and grace and like this tradition that's so much bigger than me and and I don't know it's just exactly what I needed you know and I I just like kind of trust fell back into into it uh but I could you know I'm at the time of course I'm still I'm married and have a kid I can't just be a priest you know so um I just can we continue going to mass a couple times there was this amazing speaker who got up to speak that day who was just like really resonant an old guy like probably 80 something years old but like very progressive and expansive message but also very like tied into the catholic tradition and how you know just like very beautiful and um i don't know like i kind of went along and thought i was going to be a catholic again and then i found the work of uh pastor nadia boltz weber um who has kind of grown to be a become a friend and a mentor of mine but uh she i don't know i was just kind of surfing youtube and saw a couple of her videos and I'm like whoa this woman is amazing like mm-hmm. wearing a collar and uh very rooted in tradition and in and and orth- almost like orthodoxy but crazy expansive and free and herself and uh I'm like I need to know more about right there's all what... the tattoos and everything yeah <laughs> like I just I'm like I just need to know more about what she's up to you know so I I learned that brought me to the Lutheran the Lutheran faith and and I I just learned more about the theology and went to a little Lutheran church there in Chicago and I walked at my Alex and I and, and Rory we walked in and it was like I don't know old church building on Addison there in Chicago and like brick and 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 the high choir loft and like the choir was singing and the organ was playing through the wind the stained glass windows as we walked up and like just beautiful spring day in Chicago and like walk in all these young families and like um, just such a joyful vibe walking in for the first time. And then, you know, that they process in like the full vestments and the incense. And like, it was a very Catholic Lutheran church Mm. that I found, which, which just met me right where I was. And then come to learn that, you know, both both pastors were well, actually, yeah, both pastors, a male and a female pastor, were both queer folks. And mm. like um the the vicar was uh transgender and like just a very like expansive but traditional, like at the same time, uh it was like blew my mind. Like I had no idea this even existed. Uh 
and like write i don't know and, and like the hymns were old and old like from the you know 1700s that they would sing and just this paradox of amazing tradition but also extremely expansive was just like wow i found my theological home you know mm -hmm. and that is the long and winding road that kind of brought me to to where i am now as i enter my final year of seminary to uh become ordained and as a lutheran uh pastor so okay well uh long and detailed is exactly what i asked for yes. um so thank you very much um mm -hmm. i'm gonna go i i wrote some notes um yeah. and, and I, i'm gonna go back just ah. to ask you a few questions that are directly from the story you told and then i have other questions okay um, you mentioned your mom had cards. I had never heard of holy cards. I Googled it, but it wasn't totally mm. clear to me. Like, are they, I mean, I know this is probably sacrilegious to say, but like, no. are they used like tarot cards or are they just differently? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, so first of all, I, I'm completely ignorant. I don't know how tarot ah. cards are used and I don't know how, I really don't know how holy cards are properly used. I just remember my mom having, like these cards that were like the size of playing cards and they I, I think they had like they're like icons you know mm -hmm. like like you would see with like the saints um and i think they might have have had like prayers on the back or something like okay. that i vaguely remember uh but i i i do yeah I, that that's all i know and I, you know i remember she would like kind of pray like she would hold one of them and pray mm -hmm. uh, Kind of like a rosary like you would hold you know you kind of pray through them you know you would um or like the the medallions of the saints where you would you know they would each mean a different thing i think that's kind of kind of the deal but i just love that i really love that about the roman catholic tradition is it's physical is the physicality of it like the icons and the smells and the, and the sounds and like the i don't know i feel like it just, I think as humans, we need physical things, totems or, or icons to, to kind of cling on to, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, that's, yeah, that's all I know. I don't really, I don't really know the official use of them. I just vaguely remember her having some holy cards that were like that. So. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, Another part of your story that I, I really love to hear was how you were interested, you know, maybe your earliest call was to being interested in being an exorcist. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really, I love that um, in particular because uh, for anybody in the audience who doesn't know us, um, we met through CPE, which is clinical pastoral education, which is like chaplaincy training for ministers and um, like most um, masters of divinity programs require you to take a, a unit of CPE. And we took it in the hospital. Well, you took it kind of combination prison and hospital. Um, mm -hmm. But another person in our group was brother Andrew and, um, you know, I was sort of the, the farthest flung out there religion and that I was pagan and then brother Andrew was Roman Catholic. And so like, 
even though, you know, we were very, brother Andrew and I were very cordial with each other. We were never, you know, he, I've never seen him be rude to anybody or anything, but we did not have very much in common. And the Mm -hmm. two things that we ended up having in common was that we both liked liturgy. Um, Uh and we both believed in exorcism. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you're sort of in that same, you know, you had that in common with us as well. Um, And I don't really have a question with that. I just find it very interesting. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A pagan exorcism looks a lot different than a Roman Catholic exorcism, but. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so you had quite a journey. You started out um, raised religious, but you didn't really go to that much church. Mm-hmm. Um Center of Spiritual Living, another thing we have in common. I don't know if you recall this, but we have a mutual friend, Adrian. Right, um, right. Who right. you knew through the Center for Spiritual Living. I don't even remember how I originally met her, but um, yeah. she introduced me to the Center for Spiritual Living. So I definitely didn't meet her there. Um, okay. And it's interesting to me that you had a call to ministry even before you came back to Christianity yeah, yeah. to Jesus anyway. Um, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I hear you in your critiques of the law of attraction. Um, Mm -hmm. as you said, it, it can be kind of individualistic and like kind of based on the ego somewhat. I would also add that it can kind of be a little bit victim blamey sometimes in the sense that if someone is experiencing like real hardship or that kind of thing, you know, people can be like, Oh, I think your way out of it. And if they can't, then there's almost, and I don't know that it's ever stated, but there's sort of an implied sense of responsibility. Like, Oh, but you know, you didn't think your way out of it, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I've always been um, kind of uncomfortable with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I, you know, just like anything, when you leave something, you, I think the first stage is to kind of rebel against it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really, when I first left like new thought or whatever, I like really was like, this is nonsense. Can I cuss on here? I don't know yeah. if I can or not. Okay. This is bullshit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, and I really like went back and just picked the whole thing apart. And now I'm kind of like, it's funny. I took this course when I was at Center for Spiritual Living called Foundations. And it was really kind of a beautiful, kind of just found the foundations of new thought, you know? And um, I don't know, there, I, I see some gifts there too. Like, yeah, it's it's like, it's great to be able to, uh, to look at something. Uh, and it, I don't know, like to, like that positive way of looking at things and to like, and it does, I think it does change things. Like I do, I do think it can change like the way that you move through the world and, mm-hmm. and, and therefore how other people uh, respond to you. Like, I do think there's something there. I'm not saying it's like mm-hmm. totally nonsense, but like, I, yeah, I think it, you can get to a point where it's almost legalistic um, and, and victim blaming, you know, all the toxic things that humans do when we latch onto something. So yeah, that's that's all I'm gonna say is is that I'm 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 kind of coming around to like hopefully reintegrating a lot of the the stuff even in my current uh, context of Christianity, you know. So sure, yeah, 
and I'd agree with you. Like there is some strength to it. Like, for example, you know, like if you really work to get yourself in a positive mindset, you're more likely to be sort of open and accepting of other people, which as you say, like will impact how other people relate to you. So it could impact your job opportunities, you know, because of the way that you're coming across and how you impact other people that impacts how they give you opportunities or not, you know, or, or I think positive thinking can not, not always will, but can make a difference in like healing outcomes. Um, But again, it's not like necessarily deterministic in the sense that like, you know, if you don't heal, it didn't mean that you did something wrong. Um, it just means you, you weren't able to have the impact that you hoped for. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of variables, right? Like yeah, <laughs> or anything. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, and I love that you brought up uh, Nadia Bowles-Weber. She's amazing. I've, I've watched some videos of her. She's very, very fun to listen to and very passionate and moving. Um, so when you came back to, um, believing in Jesus, like, tell me a little bit about what draws you to Jesus. Sure. Sure. Um, well, yeah, I'll just start at the very beginning where I, Mm -hmm. I did like, like I, I had a hard time even saying Jesus's name, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just kind of living a, living a normal life in our modern world where you know uh, unless you're religious it's kind of weird talking about jesus mm. um so it took me a while to like even be able to say his name i think i remember listening to a podcast it was like 2016 or something like that with a guy named rob bell who was one of the first like mega church pastors back in the day and but very progressive and he wrote a book called uh, love wins and it got him basically kicked out <laughs> um of the christian i mean they his church it sounds like were, was they were very supportive of, of him but just you know a lot of the political forces in the in christianity kind of caused him to re- re- retreat and uh now he has a podcast and he's kind of on his own now but i remember him the way he talked about jesus like just like how he was, you know, it's all, Jesus was all about, you know, the earth and like, like how the way we live and, and the way we treat each other and the way that, that we relate to ourselves and the world. And like, just like the way he talked about Jesus was just like very down to earth and, and very, like this life oriented as opposed to next life oriented. Um, like I, I started to see shape rather than like this kind of like human shield sent down, just take our punishment and then, and that's it. Um, like Jesus had, had color and, and life and, and like emotion. And I don't know, I'm like really intrigued, you know, and, and I, I just kind of followed his recommendations to, like um Richard Rohr he was a Catholic pr- uh, priest um he's written some amazing books um and I don't know if I agree with every single thing of course but um but man like just the way he 
writes about about Jesus and and the faith just really made me like oh this is like like having it and I think for me when I was at Center for Spiritual Living it was all like the universe mm -hmm. which was kind of what I which was great kind of what I needed by the way I popped in a cough drop to your listeners so I, so you hear me messing around with something in my mouth it's a cough drop so <laughs> um, um yeah the universe was but like it, it was kind of what I needed because I, I it took it, it took the focus away from this father like toxic father and his little boy that he's punishing like took it out of that and gave me like this the universe which is kind of like a loving force in my life you know but to have Jesus again was like oh there's a face to it now like mm. okay I need and I think as a human like I having a face and, and a name is really important um and it really helped me like okay you know but I, I even at the beginning I, I had a hard time with the whole Jesus as God thing um, that took a while to kind of develop, but I think the first thing was just kind of being intrigued about the human, you know, who was Jesus. So, okay. Yeah. Um, did that answer your question? Do I need to go deeper? Um, I mean, I guess what I'm looking for is the kind of thing that I see like in your Facebook posts and your blog posts, you know, just like, I would, I would like to hear for anyone who hasn't read that stuff, like, you know, what your relationship to Jesus is now, or like how yeah. you see Jesus or how you would, would hope that other people could learn to see Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So that means we got to go a little deeper. So I, I think the way that, that, that I see Jesus now is and I guess the way that I used to to hear it is like Jesus as a son, the only son of God, you know, and, and like, can you believe and that's that they say in, in the creed and like, can you believe that? Mm. And, and, and the way I guess my my kind of mind worked it out was that, well, if Jesus is the only son of God, then everything else must not be of God. Mm. Only Jesus. Everything else is is mine you know without god only jesus is with you know like that's the way i kind of saw it and i can't i just can't subscribe to that uh -huh. but the way that these lovely lutherans have explained it to me is that jesus is god revealed um and i again i'm i am a even though i am you know, five or six years into this, I'm still a very, very much beginner at theology in this way. But like, if we don't know what God is like, usually what we do is we project our worst selves <laughs> onto God, right? So if we don't know what God is like, or God, what God is up to, you know, we project this awful like tyrannical law legalistic uh judging blaming uh god uh onto ourselves like we place that god above us um 
in the way I've I've heard it is that Jesus came to reveal that God would actually rather die on a cross rather than uphold this like sin accounting business that we want him so badly to uphold um that so like Jesus came to reveal that God would rather die than punish or condemn. Mm. Um, and that is all. And like, that's all of God is revealed in that, in that living and dying and then rising again. <clears throat> um, that's kind of the pattern of, of, of life um, is this, death and resurrection, you know? Um, so like where before I think with like new thought, I spirituality was all about progression. It was all about getting better and, and thinking better thoughts and manifesting a better life and a better, 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 better. But what Christianity has shown me was, is that like, Oh no, God, works through death and resurrection so the <laughs> so usually i get to a place where i'm trying to do it myself and i'm judging and i'm blaming and i'm feeling judged and feeling blamed and then i have to die to that and then something new shows up you know and like just like nature things die thing and new things come in their place and that's kind of the pattern of life is this death and resurrection rather than this constant progression upward it's like this god coming down to us in our it kind of and this is what jesus kind of shows is like god comes down to us even when we are at our worst um jesus gravitated to those who you know who were on the margins and who were um who kind of knew that they weren't living exemplary lives um and said no the kingdom of god is yours you know like like that's where God meets us in Jesus um, is when we're least expecting it. Um, yeah. I'm droning on. I feel like now, does that, is that getting closer to what? Yeah, I think so. And I think we'll kind of get there too. Okay. Um, in your, the bio on your medium website, you say mm -hmm. that uh, the gospel of Jesus is the great cosmic leveler. Yeah. It's harshly universal while being intimately personal. The yeah. word that kind of trips me up in this, um, I'm a little bit confused about harshly. Like, why yeah. is it harshly universal? Well, because I, I don't want God to be for people I despise. Um, I don't want God to be for the fascists or the nationalists or the racists. Like, I really don't want God to be for those people. I want God to be for people like me who are progressive and nice and, you know, uh, you know, so like, that's what I'm saying is that's what great, that's the scandal of grace is that it's, it is, it is absolutely for everyone. And I don't want to hear that. Hmm. That's, what's, that's, what's harshly universal about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier in the interview, uh, we know each other from CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education. You spent part of CPE in a prison. Um, mm -hmm. 
Could you tell us what that was like for you and, and for your faith? Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't expect it. It was definitely just part of the assignment and part of the internship and uh, never thought I would be a prison, in, a prison chaplain. Um, but gosh, yeah, going in there for the first time and the doors locking behind you is pretty surreal. And then, you know, walking down the halls and, and, the, and the inmates have to like stop and like face the wall and, you know, just the whole hierarchy of it. And it was shocking. And, and I, I guess, and I guess the harsh, the harshly universal part of it has been the most shocking part. Um, being a Lutheran, you know, we, we, we do believe that, you know, we, we say that like, we're kind of anti-works righteousness. And what that means is like, you cannot earn your way to God. Like you can't pray your way to God. You can't do good your way to God. Like God comes to us in our messes. That's kind of our, the way we see it. Um, well, one of the things we, we do in, in, in the detention center is we, we baptize a lot. A lot of people want to get baptized when they're incarcerated. And, uh, so we, uh, the Lutheran faith or the way we see it is that like, that is from God, like that, the baptism is not something that someone has to earn or someone has to check a checklist of boxes before they earn this gift or that before they earn this prize of baptism, we see baptism as a pure gift from God to the person uh, being baptized. Like it is not earned because if it was earned, it would not be a gift anymore. It'd be a, like a payment of some sort. Um, so we, we are pretty loose and who, I mean, we, we baptize anyone who asks for it. I, of course, like we, like we ask them, well, what, what makes you want to get baptized? And like, what's, do you have any questions? You know, we, we try to talk to them before just to kind of like frame it that, um, I don't know, just like find out any kind of toxic theology that might be behind it or whatever that we can kind of dispel for people or, you know, any kind of reward system punishment kind of thing that, that we can kind of like do away with or whatever. But I remember there was one time, you know, and I routinely go out to talk to people about baptism who request it. So one guy requests baptism and he was like in the maximum security area. So I had to talk to him through the door. And I was like, hey, you know, just here to chat with about your baptism and like what made you want to get baptized. And the guy's like, well, I've just been really feeling the call for a long time. And like, this is just uh, the worst. And I um, just really kind of like sh is at the end of himself. Like yeah. here I am in, in chains and I got nothing. And, you know, and so I bid him farewell I went back to the office and I went to print out this certificate the baptism certificate <clears throat> and uh in the email was in my email was like a press release and, and usually we don't check the people's charges we don't look at their charges before we baptize we just you know we we don't we try not to pry too much mm. um, but in this press release was this guy I just talked to and, you know, told what he had been accused of. And it was all the things that I despise. 
uh, you know, white supremacy, uh, sex trafficking, uh, sex with a minor, you know, like, like all these things. And I have, I have a young child and like, I don't know, like I, I just like all these things that, that personally go against my moral compass uh, were set off. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to go baptize this asshole who has <laughs> like, you know, in on all these despicable things. Like that, the, so the inner Puritan in me just rose up and was like, no, like you cannot, you know, do it. Um, I, I had to pray on it. I'm like, God, like, what are you like? Why, why did I have to see what this guy did? You know? Um, but we did it. We did the baptism and it just really, I don't know. It just, God kind of took me to school and was like, do you think that anyone is beyond like my love? Like, do you think that anyone has outsend the coverage of my love? Like how, almost like, how dare you, you know? (laughs) Um, I don't know. It just, it just made, I don't know. It softened my heart. I was definitely, no, I'm not saying that's the thing is I, I don't believe that anyone deserves it, you know? And if I did believe that anyone deserved it, then, then I would have to like soften. I would have to like say that God condones all those horrible things. I think God absolutely does not condone those things, but the only way that someone is going to to turn around or, or whatever is, is to, is through love is through God's love. I think that's the only thing that, that will maybe shape someone into a different human, you know? So yeah, that's, that's one experience of many that I've had um, in that world. So yeah. Okay. How, how is the hospital and the prison different? Oh yeah. I think I just feel more needed <laughs> in the, uh, in the prison. I, the hospital was we had a lot of cold calling. So we would just kind of like go door to door and try to talk to people. And I felt really awkward <laughs> because most people didn't want to talk. Whereas in the prison, in, in, in the detention center, people are constantly requesting us to be you know they need to talk to someone they need to, to pray they need to and you know, they want to get baptized they something confess something like that um i just feel more okay people actually <laughs> want me here <laughs> so okay. uh no and people have come to the end of themselves i think i, I and, and i guess you could say that for the dying too um yeah. but i didn't i i yeah, I didn't have a lot of those conversations in the hospital. Whereas in the in the in detention center, people are like, I, I I've tried, I've tried to live my life, I've tried to go my own way, and I've tried to do it the way I thought was right. And here I am. And I need I need something. I need something else besides my own ego to to kind of get me through, you know? And I think that I, I've heard it said that like God's office is at the end of our rope, you know? And I think that that's, yeah. that's true. And I think the people who are incarcerated truly, truly feel that and their ears are, 
way more open to the word um, than they are if, I mean, just even just a good church going people are some of the hardest people to talk to because they think they have it totally figured out and they think they're living really good lives and, <laughs> you know, which is lovely, but like uh, they, they don't need, it's almost like a very atheistic way of living and not to, not to bash an atheism. I love atheists. I'm not, I'm just saying like, it's very hypocritical of so-called Christians <clears throat> to, to think, well, I got it all figured out. You know, I, I, I say my, I, I do my, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't really need anything else. Um, whereas in being incarcerated, they need something and they, and they know it, you know, and I think it's, it's a beautiful place, place to be. And I actually kind of envy them sometimes. So, yeah. Okay. Where, what do you think your final setting or where, where do you see yourself landing when you graduate from seminary? Honestly, I have no idea. Pep. Hmm. Um, I, I, it's weird because I, I was living in Chicago when I started this seminary journey and in Chicago, you know, you can throw a rock in Lutheran church, uh, out here. I, so I moved out West, uh, during, uh, the, the 2020, the summer, summer of 2020, 2020, um, to closer to my in-laws in Northern California. And out here, there's just no, not a lot of Lutheran churches, you know? So, um, I, and I don't want to move again. So, either I'm going to need to plant a church um, mm -hmm. or there is a church that kind of by where my daughter goes to school that, that might, I might be able to, I don't know, there might be an opening for, I'm not sure. Uh, okay. You know, but I'll keep on writing and, and, and I, I've kind of ventured into YouTube. I, I got some fancy schmancy video equipment. I got a drone and a gimbal and I'd like to kind of start, communicating through through video more too so we'll see i'm just kind of one step at a time you know okay uh final question um you say in your blog intro that you are not here to make people christian uh why is that or why why is that not oh i i i just i i know my own fallibility and my own i mean i'm i don't have that kind of power and also like i don't think it's i don't know i think christ is uh, this is the other side of the universal aspect that the good part of the universal um, aspect of christ is i think christ is if christ is like we believe is like the alpha and the omega the word before and after everything, like this all-encompassing thing that maybe was embodied in Jesus and maybe was given a face and a name in Jesus, I do believe that Christness or anointedness is everywhere. And mm. we can't we can't avoid it. Even if you don't go to a church that celebrates Jesus, um I think that Christ is alive in the world, not bringing that, not bringing people to like a Jesus church, but bringing people to belovedness yeah. and, and, and who they are. And, and, and it, it might take people 
you know, being on their deathbed to, to realize that they are loved. But I do think that that's the kind of the swoop of life is, is that, and I don't, that just takes the pressure off of me to do anything really. I, I like, I have my story and, and I do love the Christian traditions and I love Jesus <clears throat> as this revelation of who God is and what God is up to. Um, but I don't believe it's the only way. And I, and I think the more I try to make people Christian, the more I'm going to just like piss people off. And, you know, like, I, I don't <laughs> think that, I think the more we try to make people anything, the more they resist it anyway. So like, I just try to like be who I am. And like, I, most of my friends are, are definitely not Christian. Um, and I do not try to change them one bit. Uh, of course, I might invite them to a church gathering every now and then, just because like I would do the same if I was a rock star. I would invite them to my concerts, or, or you know, or, like, or, or if I was like a poet, I would invite them to my readings, just because that's like a personal. Like I'd love to see, I'd love for you to see what I do, and you know, but like it's not like oh, your soul is like going to be damned to hell if you don't come to this like if you put that kind of a weight on something you're just I believe well that's what happened in the church I mean that's why the church I think is where it is right now is that we've totally screwed the pooch and, and like yeah. I think that we have uh instead of sharing like Jesus did from a joyful kind of a loving place we have like oh you're going to like rot in hell if you know and like that's just not not the way to do it so yeah. um I forget your question. <laughs> Am I answering your question? Yeah, um, you did. It was why are you not here to make people Christian? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So that's 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 why. Um, I think is that like I think that I think God is way more powerful than I am. And uh whatever small ways I can maybe touch people, that's great. But um I'm I'm not gonna try to be God in this. So okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much Jonas for coming on the show I, I really have enjoyed talking to you oh thank you thank you Pip it's been a joy uh, to be here and uh, hopefully uh, my your, your listeners will be able to kind of sift through my whimsical COVID brained ramblings but uh no thank you it's been it's been great thank you yay all right well take care you too Pip thank you bye bye Thank you for listening. Please join us again another day on Pip Talk.